Well, it seems, doesn't it, that uh, every few months another influential Christian leader falls from grace. Uh, we went through this last year when we looked at the uh, preachers and sneakers phenomenon, if you remember that. Just recently, probably the, the highest profile Christian church in the world, Hillsong, saw its foundation leader step down in the wake of alcohol and abuse allegations. Now, a story like that is pretty disturbing. A church leader who teaches others about avoiding drunken and abusive behaviour, but is actively involved in it himself for years. It's what we call hypocrisy. And we don't like hypocrisy. We don't like hypocrites. We love calling people out on their hypocrisy. But this morning, from Jesus' passage, I'd like to suggest that if we're honest, hypocrisy lies at the heart of all of us. Now, it doesn't have to be as extreme as having a secret drinking problem or a pattern of secret abusive behaviour, but the results can be just as disastrous. As Jesus moves on in his Sermon on the Mount, as he talks about the upside-down kingdom, he shifts his focus to those who make the outward claim to be morally good, the ones who you would expect to be welcomed by God into his kingdom. And the reason you would expect that, Jesus says, is because they practice their righteousness or their good deeds. They do that in front of others to be seen by them. You've seen how good they appear, so you assume that they are good. But Jesus says that this flashy righteousness breeds a dangerous hypocrisy. For example, Jesus instructs those who give money to the church or to the needy to do so in secret. He says that when people donate money, they shouldn't let one hand see what the other hand is doing. This little saying explains that our charitable acts should be so well-intentioned that we don't try to draw attention to ourselves or even do it just to make ourselves feel good. Now, this is true today as it was back in the first century in Israel. It just played out a little bit differently. In verse 2, Jesus says, So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, which is the Jewish church, and on the streets in order to be applauded by people. Jesus says that they, these people have been announcing their donations to the needy with trumpets. Now, I don't think that Jesus is actually suggesting that people walked along blowing a trumpet as they threw money into the coffers, but I do think they were trying to draw attention to themselves. What he was probably referring to is something like this. The Jewish synagogues had a series of about four of these bronze funnels in the wall of the temple. This isn't bronze, this is just from Bunnings. And uh, what would happen was, when you would come along with your little bag of coins, you would throw them into the bucket. Now, that makes a bit of noise. And especially if this bucket is fixed into the stone walls of the synagogue, as you are dropping your coins in, it is reverberating everywhere around the temple. And when you put in a massive donation like that, surely the reaction of everybody is to stop and look and say, wow. Who gave that massive amount of money? 
It's a huge donation, one that is showy, flashy. It is drawing attention. Why do the religious hypocrites do this? Well, Jesus says that they are, they are doing it for a reward. That's the language he uses. They might think they are pleasing God by giving so much. I mean, did you hear that noise, Lord? It was so impressive. Everyone turned around. But Jesus says that because they've given them money in such a showy way, they're actually trying to please others, the people who are there to receive the applause of the people. And Jesus says that if that's the case, well, then he said, truly, I tell you, they already have their reward. What they should have done as they gave to the poor was to not let their left hand know what their right hand was doing. Now, this seems impossible, doesn't it? But the point is, is that the giving should be so hidden from others that you are not even tempted to impress yourself with your own generosity. We shouldn't be generous because we need to feel better about ourselves. We should be generous because people other than ourselves are in need. Think for a moment about the things that you do in secret. Do the things that you do in secret match up with the things that you say and do in public at school? When assessment tasks are due and the, the competition for good marks heats up, what lengths will you go to, su to succeed? Will you plagiarise? Will you rip something off the net? Will you, you know, use parts of a former student's assignment even though no one will know? Do you want to be an honest, hard-working student or do you just want to have people think that you are? When teams are picked for Hardy Shield, Carroll Cup, Tracy Gunson, Bill Turner, whatever it is, I'm sure that you will lead with focus and determination on the field and accept the praise of staff and students. But will you show that same leadership in the playground when no one's really watching or in the classroom or in your relationships with others? Or when there's another excellent cause for us to support here at Track, like Rosler Shield at the moment, or Shea for a Cure last term, or Biggest Morning Tea, or the Cake Auction, I wonder if you would be willing to donate online if there wasn't a space for you to write your name for it to appear on the supporter page. See, what's the motivation for our giving? What's the motivation for my giving? Is it to help those in need? Or is it to satisfy your need to be seen? Now, for most of those examples, our hypocrisy could be really easily exposed, couldn't it? But the thoughts and the desires of our hearts are much easier to conceal. Well, you might think you are. They are. I mean, right now, I don't know what you are feeling. I can hazard a guess by your facial expressions, something about the floor being cold and hard, I imagine. But I don't know for sure. You can act one way and conceal your motives and desires. Only you know your heart. But what if there was someone who could expose your heart? Well, listen to what Jesus finishes with in verse 4. He tells us, he says, that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Our Father in heaven sees in secret. I wonder if that freaks you out a little bit. It sounds ominous, doesn't it? It might not really bring us any comfort to know that God sees everything we do, everything we think in secret. I wonder if that knowledge might change you. It might make you change for a little while, mightn't it? The threat of being found out by someone might stir your guilts, make you shape up, but it wouldn't last. 
Guilt is a really great Kickstarter uh, for change behaviour, but it is a terrible modifier of long-term behaviour. What we actually need is someone who can actually change our hearts for us, someone who can make our desires line up with our actions and remove that hypocrisy. That would revolutionise your giving, your studies, your relationships, your eternity. But listen again to what Jesus says. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is not telling us that God is like some divine big brother watching you, just waiting for you to stuff up. He is not like that. No, he is the one that rewards. Instead of chasing the reward of other people liking you, sharing your donation on Instagram, we are instead to chase the reward of our Heavenly Father. But it's not just swapping one reward for another. Now, the Father's rewards can't really be earned. Not by us, anyway. Like all of Jesus' teachings in his upside-down kingdom, these commands are only achievable, only desirable, when our hearts have been turned inside out by the gospel. When we grasp that Jesus ran the gauntlet of this world with his heart's desire set wholly on those in need and not himself. When we grasp that his death gave everything, not to the applause of people, but to their taunts. When we grasp that in Jesus' resurrection, he has ushered in that righteousness for all who would receive it by trusting in him. When we grasp all of that, well, then our hearts will be turned away from ourselves and towards God. So that God alone is the one who we desire, that he alone is the one that we seek after. Because when we know that we've been welcomed into the kingdom of heaven already, well, then it is only natural and proper that our desire would be for our Father in heaven. And he is the one who sees in secret and will reward you through Jesus Christ.